When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show. On the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. The actual studios today... I am alongside the great Gangster Pete. Gangster Pete, I need you today. And I want you to know that I need you. Oh, man. A lot of pressure. Yeah, this is this is, this is is big. I've wanted to do this um, questions from the audience. Uh, I guess it's almost at this point 48 hours old. But um, but I've, I've been uh, dealing with some things, and, uh, and, and I didn't want to talk about it on the radio because I knew what would wind up happening. And I'm not in a joking place about it, even though probably eventually I will be. At this moment, I'm not, and I don't necessarily want it to be radio show fodder. And so when I said on the radio uh, yesterday morning that I was going to be leaving uh, like around 745 uh, for personal reasons, um, I thought after we had been doing a show together for a number of years that there would be an understanding that therefore the reasons were in a box of the personal reasons. Then the cat said, just so everybody knows everything is okay. Right. And I'm like, well, yes. And then Doug goes, well, it's your shoulder. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then Doug's like, well, there's no secrets. I mean, there's a rap song dedicated to me in my colonoscopy, which is that part is accurate. However, he volunteered it. And, and I guess with the benefit of hindsight, nobody did anything wrong. The show is a dipshit festival. And it's not like I've I've got you know uh, you know some kind of terminal illness, at least that I'm aware of. Uh, but I found out on Monday afternoon, and we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, January fifteenth, two thousand twenty, that I have a torn labrum in my left shoulder, and I've had the torn labrum since September. And gangster Pete, what I need from you is just really a sounding board. Um, because I, and I told people in, the, in this week's questions from the audience, I like need asinine. This is where Deebs would come in handy. <laughs> I need somebody to send in asinine stuff to lift my spirits because I'm, I am really not doing well with this. And the reason I'm not doing well with it, there's a couple of elements, is as I understand, do you know anybody who has had shoulder surgery? Let me start with that. No, most of the people I know, have, it's been knee issues. Really? And I don't know what, the, I mean, I knew nothing about shoulder surgery. Uh, so I know nothing about knee surgery. Because G-Unit's got shoulder problems, but it pops out all the time. Really? But it's not like a torn labrum. I, uh, there's there's the element of, I, I, it's, I, gotta, I gotta navigate carefully. We talked about the film uh, Marriage Story a couple of weeks ago. And my my conclusion on that film is, 
if you've been divorced, you see the movie one way. And if you haven't been divorced, maybe you appreciate it, but you probably, it doesn't hit you like if you've been divorced. Okay. Um, Gangster Pete has not been married. Therefore, obviously, Gangster Pete has not been divorced. I'm from a broken home, though, so I, I related to me so, as so well. You, okay, so yeah. All right, yeah, so that's a good point. If you, if you, Yeah, because a number of people said that I'm, I, I saw something like that growing up. So yes, you're right. You're exactly right. Um, and so when I experienced that, albeit it's, it's you know, 12 years ago, um, and I want to make it clear, I take 100% responsibility, Um just period. There's no, there's no, there's no, but there's period. Uh, but with that whole process, when you see that movie, you recognize things. And, um, there was a certain moment with a number of my peers who were lawyers who said, well, I mean, you know, you've only been married a handful of years. You have no kids. This is not really going to be a big deal. And then they, then their natural follow-up question was, um, who's the attorney. And then I said, the attorney. And then they go, Oh God, <laughs> which was, which was, a, which was a rough thing because I knew at that moment they're going from, oh, it's not, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's not, you know, it's not like you're married 30 years and have, you know, three kids. It's, you know, and again, I'm not downplaying it at all. I'm just saying, I'm just telling what my experience in a very limited, you know, surface level discussion is. And so with the shoulder surgery thing with my peers in the medical profession, uh, they hear what I have and they go, Oh God, cause they know, or people who have had it, same kind of thing. What do you got going on? They go, Oh God, because as I have learned over the last few days, shoulder surgery is no joke. Now I want to make this clear. And this, it's the reason why I wanted to, to only talk about it, at least for the time being. But I really want to talk about it. I just didn't want to talk about it on the radio show. And I, I don't even know if I have a good reason for it. I guess my thought process is then it becomes a joke. And I'm not in a joking mindset on it. Um, inevitably, I, I would imagine I will be, I guess. But not at this moment. And, I, and, and I'm not in a joking mindset, not only because if I have to have surgery, and it's not 100% that I have to, but if I have to, um, it's not, it's, 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 it's a, it's a situation. Um, but I would also want to make clear, I'm well aware that this is not, you know, a cancer situation or something along those lines. So, you know, I'm trying to compartmentalize it and still talk about it in a situation where I know there can be some hypersensitivity and I'm trying to avoid that. But if you listen to this podcast, I'd like to think we're all kind of of the same mindset when it comes to not necessarily politically or I'll leave you sports or porn or religion or whatever, but that it's kind of like, yeah, I get it. The sound off letter type thing just isn't really something anybody who listens to it would send. And they know me, they, they know I'm not necessarily really interested in, in reading the sound off letter kind of, Hey, you know, you should kind of keep things in perspective here. You know, this happened to me and this, or this happened to my family member and this. So I recognize that I am well aware of that. My wife was kind of trying to lift me up last night when I was in this uh, winter of discontent as I had seen a couple of surgeons yesterday. So there's the element of being in a sling for, I guess, six weeks. And then the rehab process, uh, clearly not sleeping well, obviously, if you're in a sling, feeling awful, pain, and then not to, you know, function properly for however many months. 
And then the thing about it is it's not like, and I don't know what an example would be. I'm trying to think of something that's kind of a benign procedure. I don't even know if people get their tonsils taken out anymore. Um, it seems like you never hear about it, but maybe that's because I don't have kids who are like 10. I don't I know. don't have my tonsils or my appendix. There you go. Oh, really? So you had the tonsils taken out and yeah. the appendix. Oh, we got oh. the appendectomy in common. When did you get the appendectomy? Like third grade. Oh, wow. Was it, were you like in major pain? I was trying to watch Saturday Night Live, and every time I'd laugh, it just hurt so bad. Wow. How about that? Were they worried it was going to burst? Uh, yeah, they said I was like a couple hours. That's where early. I was. Yeah, but you weren't working here when I had mine, right? My, my, I was April eighteen, and you. No, I remember hearing 18. about it. Yeah, it was. That was a pain. That was where I couldn't get through it because it started like at, at night, and then I got to the hospital at eleven, and that meant the doctors weren't going to be there till the next morning, and they're kind of like, "So if you can just," and I'm like, and then it hit me. I'm like, "Oh my god, I've got seven or eight hours, and there's nothing you can yeah. do." So I want to I want to keep it clear here that I I hope I've established that premise enough that I, I recognize on this in, in the big picture it's but with an appendectomy for example the appendix is removed with your tonsils the tonsils are removed with a shoulder it's it has a high success rate however it's not a lock and as I'm hearing from people who are either in the medical profession or people who've had the procedure it's a combination of oh God if you don't have to get it don't get it. Um, or, yeah, it's pretty brutal. I'm sorry. Cause they know. And on top of it, it's not like, well, in three months you'll be fine. It's a, it's a process. And in doing all, this is what happens. I'm sure a number of you have done this. When you find out you have a situation, you then research it on the internet, which is like the worst thing to do psychologically, but that's what you do. And you know, it's not, this isn't something where I'm not, I'm even sure a year from now I'm going to be doing what I was doing before what I did to get this. And that's the thing that actually upsets me more. I'm not talking about the process of rehab, which certainly isn't something that's pleasant, but it's the fact that I did this to myself and that it's, it's like with business, a self inflicted wound, you know, you shoot yourself in the foot and that's what I did. And I can't gangster Pete. That is what is driving me up the wall more than anything about this. It is, I, you know, I talked about, and I don't, I don't want to blame this because I think I know what caused it, the book Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. And in that book, the author, Mike Matthews, a workout I got on in May or June of 2016, and I'd never seen results like I'd seen with that book, and the instruction also now on, on nutrition, which is such an important, but if you're not going to eat right, it, I mean, you can lift and run and all that stuff, but it's never, it's not going to have near the impact. I think more people are comfortable working out than they are actually like really changing diet. I know I am. And I think others are. You think that's, that's my a, thing. I yeah. work out four or five times a week, but then I like eat, shit. I eat what I want. Yeah. And it's just like, and then you see, and then once you start entering that stuff in my fitness pal, it's like, Oh, tonight was a night I ate Chick-fil-A. Here's 3,500 calories for the day. You know, when I'm supposed to be at like 2,100. Um, but with that all said, the book preached a workout that I believe in. And I think I messed it up where you lift heavy weights on low reps and so it was uh, day one would be, it wasn't just squats, but that was the, that was the compound exercise. Day two was chest. Day three was deadlift. Day four was arms slash chest. And day five was shoulders. And I think what happened was my chest got, for me, strong, but I wasn't doing the shoulder workout. I think, again, I, you know, I mean, I didn't even graduate from Missouri journalism, so it's not like I'm qualified here. But I think what happened is my chest got stronger, especially at 42, than it had ever probably been based on what I was lifting. 
but I didn't do the shoulder workouts. And so the shoulder muscles were not as strong. And I think it was benching that did this. And, you know, I weigh a buck 60 as of today, a buck 62. And I was lifting 185, like eight reps, which for many of you, you'd be like, wow, that's really not that much. And I get it. Listen, I'm not, this isn't a brag. This is a fuck me. And I, as the cat was saying, and he wasn't saying, I'm not using it as a cautionary tale, but I'm like, no, do it. Use, that's why I'm talking about it. It's also therapeutic for me. But uh, it, it, it's, it's about lifting whatever it was, 25 pounds more than my weight. And, and so when I started physical therapy and no one thought I had a tear, I, it wasn't even on my radar. I'm just like, I have a sore, sore shoulder uh, and it improved. And so nobody really thought I had a tear. My doctor, physical therapist, nobody thought I had a tear. But I remember the physical therapist going, hey, I'm not trying to say this like, you know, to make a joke of it or be mean. He goes, but what were you doing? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, why were you doing that? And I go, I was just working out. He goes, no, I understand. He goes, but why were you like lifting as hard as you were? And I go, well, that's what I, that's what I was doing. And he goes, but for what reason? And I go, well, stay in shape. And he goes, yeah, but I mean, you're kind of putting yourself at risk when you're lifting heavier weights. You know, it certainly gets to a point at an age. And, and what Pete and I were talking about a little bit yesterday, and I was talking about this with my wife who is, you know, younger than me. Um, but still she's in her mid thirties now, uh, that I believe this to be the case. You don't realize how different the human body is with age because the mind still is in the mindset of you can, you can do what you did in your teens and twenties. Gangster Pete, you were saying you're playing basketball and you're taking an extra step because you feel like inevitably something is going to happen. Yeah, I feel like everybody everybody has something fail before they realize that their body isn't what it used to be. And so now when I'm out there, I'm consciously, like, when I make a cut, I'm, like, taking an extra step, which makes it slower, but doesn't put as much right. strain on the joints. Which is, the, which is I mean, just it's, a, it's such a smart thing to do. I am so, if this, you know, a friend of mine uh, got hurt in a, in an accident and he has not had the surgery, but he, and he has, he has multiple injuries in his shoulder. Not just, I, I don't want to say not just, but I have a torn labrum, but he has all kinds of things. I have no rotator cuff. My rotator cuff's healthy. I had the MRI on Friday. We're doing this on Wednesday. So five days removed. And he's just like, I can swing a golf club. I'm fine. And I've talked to some people, Edmonds being one of them. I was texting with Edmonds the other day about, it. I said, Hey, have you had shoulder surgery? And he wrote back, yes, six of them. Kind of like, what do you fucking want? You know? I've had six of them. What's, what's, what's your issue? Cam Jansen has had them. Andy Van Slyke has had them. So I've been texting with these guys. And then my friend, my friend's like, yeah, I just don't want to do it. I've been told if you can handle it, don't do it because it is not, first off, it's not pleasant on the way back. And then secondly, it's not a guarantee that it's going to work. But all of these guys, Cam made a living playing hockey Van Slyke and Edmonds made a living, you know, gunning people out at home plate and swinging a bat and making millions of dollars. My friend had an accident um, that caused it. I'm over there at 42 years old, lifting just like an asshole. And it really, and I, I, I believe that's what caused it. I guess theoretically, I, and I don't know, no, I, could, I, I guess I could ask a doctor. It could be golf. I can't imagine that golf tore my labrum. I can't imagine that. I guess it's possible. I have no clue. Uh, because I certainly have a whatever, I don't know what the right word, big turn, I guess, uh, you know. But it's not like I've got some kind of Justin Thomas torque, you know, where 
So I just, I think it was lifting, you know, and I remember talking to Mike Wellington, who's a guy who we've worked with on birdies for bipolar. And he would kind of work with me when we'd be down at spring training. And he'd go, why are you lifting? And I go, I'm getting in shape. It's like, why aren't you lifting? That's what I was thinking. It's like, what the, and I just look back on it. What the fuck was I doing? And I'm so mad at myself. I cannot begin to tell you how upset I am with myself. And that's why I am in this, I guess you have to be careful in 2020 of using the word depression because then somebody who really is depressed will go, hold on a second. I'm, so I don't want to say that. That's not what I am. But I'm just really disappointed in myself. That's what it is. And, and, it, and it goes further than the fact that I did it to myself. I am, as we talk about often on questions from the audience, I think more cognizant of having finite time than the average peer of mine. I think I could be wrong. I don't know. I just feel like people don't really talk about dying, which is probably a good thing. But some of that is it's morbid and, you know, not polite. And then the other is perhaps in some capacity like denial. Um, I don't know. I just, for whatever reason, it kind of, I don't want to say I'm necessarily comfortable with it. I just feel like it's like it's part of the equation. And so I have to calculate part of that as the equation when I think about doing things. And so in my mind, I only have X amount of years, and I don't even know if I can count them on two hands, of being able to play golf um, as much as I enjoy playing it, which is kind of a whatever, you know. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't swung, a, I guess I swung a club two weeks ago under the instruction of my doctor to see how it would feel because nobody thought I had a tear. Um, but uh, I haven't actually played a round of golf in three and a half months, and I've been fine with it. Uh, but what bothers me more than anything is I have a finite amount of time with my son at, at this age. And he's now at an age where he's, he's surprisingly, and I didn't really, I'm kind of surprised he is, and I don't want to overstate it, but he's, he, he seems to really enjoy baseball. You know, again, as much as, a, you know, he's not even two and a half yet can enjoy it, but that's seemingly his thing. He likes to be out in the backyard and hit the ball and can't get enough of running the bases and, you know, all he says, let's watch baseball. I'm just like, God, what in the hell? You know, because I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, for this generation, that'll be, you know, unless you live in St. Louis, it's, you know, it's not exactly the most popular thing for younger people. I just kind of figured he'd get into soccer or who knows, maybe the golf thing would hit him and whatever. And if he didn't get into any sports, great. I don't give a shit. Whatever he likes, cool. And so I'm like, God, so I either don't get the surgery, but what I think re-hurt it a couple of, or like 10 days ago was we were playing catch and, you know, it's not like we're long tossing from, you know, 70 feet. It's at close range and he throws over to my left and I just instinctively go to reach it. And I'm like, oh, God, that irritated it. And then it was kind of back to where we were in October, even though I had made so much progress after getting a cortisone shot and doing all of this physical therapy, at least two physical therapy appointments a week. Plus, I do the exercises on my own at the gym. And I'm just... That bothers me. The fact that I did this and it takes away time from my son is the thing that guts me. And I and I did it. I did it. And I am just not doing well with it. And I need to, like, vocalize it. And so this question from the audience is, is I, I want to, you know, I, this is where I am. And while I know instinctively also, because this has happened over the years, um, and I, I like when I had the, 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 the diagnosis, the misdiagnosis with lymphoma in 2012 and told that story, the purpose of telling people, because I at the time was 34, I guess, 35, um, when that all started up, 
to even though we're in our mid thirties and, and if you're healthy, uh, you can't think that that can happen to you, but it can. So if you're having, whereas I go to the doctor all the time for anything, especially now after that, I wanted to tell people, if you have something and you don't like going to the doctor, go to the doctor. It's just, it's, it's an insurance policy of sorts. Um, that, I mean, I got hundreds of emails, hundreds, perhaps four digits. And so many, I mean, each one was like, it's like free diving. Uh, is that what they call it? Where you hold your breath and you don't have, is that what they call it? Free diving? Is that, is that what it's called? Like you hold your breath, you don't have a air tank. I feel like there's, I, th- I feel like I saw 60 minutes on that or a real sports. I thought free diving is like when you jump off a cliff. Maybe that's what it is. Well, the thing, I don't know. Either way. You just, that d- in 60 minutes. D- 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 is that what it was? I don't you know. You just go in and then you hold your breath and you come back up. And it's, that's how it was eating, reading what, each one of those emails. Because somebody is pouring out their story or a family member's story with cancer. And those were not, hey, I love the show. Thanks for the segment on the, you know, the lesbian thing that happened, you know, in, in the neighborhood. You know, this was, these were long and these were committed and I needed to give a proper response to each one of them. You're right about free diving. Oh, really? Stumbled into that. So I don't, I'm not trying to discourage emails, but my um, inclination for two decades is to respond to every email. And if it's just like, hey, sorry about that. I appreciate, I just want to respond. And I've had, and I've had this with a friend, friend I really, you know, like and close to. Well, I'll just say it because he won't fucking care. Uh, He's like almost almost like a running joke uh, with his bi curiosity on the radio show, Cletus. (laughs) who has had both of his shoulders operated on and still at 58 years old, throws glass around for his job, you know, tons of glass. Uh, and he's like, get the surgery, get the surgery, get the surgery. You don't want to lose the golf season. You don't want to have it and then have it get it. I was like, God, but it's, you know, I don't know. And then I've gotten conflicting counsel from people in the medical profession. It's just, I am just, I am just not doing well. So it's funny, Pete, you walked into the podcast studio today, like at 10, 15, and uh, the cat came in. And as I always say on these things, and I, I don't know if people don't want to believe it or if they just don't believe it or if they, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but we really, Doug and the cat and I in, the, in particular, we just don't, it's not that we don't communicate like, like it's like, as I've heard these, like I think on the Francesa uh, Mad Dog 30 for 30, it was like they didn't talk except when they're on the air. That's not what it is. I mean, we certainly communicate, but we don't like like, I guess maybe you would listen and assume that we like hang out or we get lunch or whatever. And it's just, that's just not the way that it is, but there is a mutual respect. And certainly I think an appreciation for the, what each person, in addition to not just the host, but the producers bring to the show. And, uh, and the cat came here and closed the door. And I'm like, Oh wow, this doesn't happen often. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm not going to say what he said. It had nothing to do with any of this except, except for, I said, I appreciate that. And uh, I said, it really means something. I said, cause right now seven to 10 is kind of my, as in the show is kind of my vacation from the stuff that's going on. Shoulder certainly being the biggest one here over the last couple of days. Cause I just found out about it and I'm staring this abyss of the next, however many months, uh, in the eye and I'm just really down about it. And, you know, so to be able to screw off for three hours is like medication in a sense. And so while I appreciate what you're saying, uh, I, I want to tell you guys how much it means to me to be able to come in and kind of have that. So I am not in a good place. I would like to think inevitably this is something that will be a joke, I hope. 
uh, that I look at it that way. But the reason why I'm hypersensitive to it right now and therefore don't want to talk about it on the radio where it inevitably becomes, you know, Tim, I'll give you my shoulder. Let's have prayers for Tim's shoulder and all that stuff, which, you know, I, I don't know why people are doing it just to fuck off, just like we do with everything. In my mind, A, I did this to myself and I'm disappointed in myself because it was stupid um, and irresponsible. And then secondarily, it crushes me that I, it will take time away from me being able to play with my son. And I don't know if we'll have more kids. I would say it's, I, we, we certainly want to, but I also kind of look at the math and I don't necessarily think it's likely, but it doesn't mean that it's like super unlikely. And so you have this time and he ha more importantly has this time at this age. And I just, it sucks that forever, however many months I would be out of commission. Um, and that kills me because I did it to myself doing something stupid and irresponsible. And as recently as like a month ago, I was running high intensity intervals, uh, on, on the treadmill at 10 and you just go, and then, then after this happened, I go, okay, what the, I mean, one false step running on 10 on a treadmill at any age, but at that point I'm 43 I mean, God only knows what you can do there. And I'm just like, okay, that's got to stop. And, and and so it takes that moment of realization from either happening to yourself or it happening to somebody you know to go, okay, it sucks, but the reality is I am not 25 anymore. And this is just age. It's part of the deal. It doesn't mean you have to all of a sudden start, you know, worshiping at Sean Hannity's altar or something like that. It just means the body ages and it's just, the, it's the nature of the beast. It's like when you see like Tom Brady, like starts scrambling and you go, what the fuck? You know, that's the deal. And he's running as hard as he can. And he's, you know, greatest quarterback of all time. But he looks like he's, you know, like he's 90 when he takes off from the pocket. Well, there's a reason for it. And you just don't realize it. Cause you're like, I'm running as hard as I can. And it just, and so I'm disappointed in myself that that has happened. So if, if you are in your even early thirties, but mid thirties or older, and you're still like, and I realize most people aren't doing this. That's what pisses me off about it. I'm like on this Island of stupidity. Uh, here is your cautionary tale. Cause the cat who is, I think 56, maybe 57 gangster Pete. I think that, that range. Yeah. Uh, he goes, I go back. He's, he's back in the gym now. And he goes, I'm, I'm using you as a, a cautionary tale because I don't mean that they're like, no, do it. Use me as a cautionary tale because I'm in the mindset I can do what I was doing, you know, 10 years ago. And, and reality is I can't. And so then you, then you're like lifting old man weights and I go, but that's the right thing. Lift high reps with low weight. You know, the book I was reading was for like people who are, you know, in their twenties or maybe, maybe early thirties. And either way, I think if I did it right, I think the shoulder would have been stronger and this doesn't happen. And that's why I'm mad at myself. Plus I'm lifting that weight. I just, I'm not in a good place. I will be fine. But, you know, part of what the show has been uh, and the podcast is kind of my sanctuary uh, is to just be straightforward with the audience on things that kind of are my own thing. Like if it involves somebody else, if it's another radio personality or a family member, or, you know, whatever, that's different because now it involves somebody else and I'm not comfortable going into all details unless I get blessings. Uh, to do so, but this is me. This is my own fuck up and I'm mad at myself and it's, it's really for the last 48 hours, it's owned me. I didn't see it coming either. Neither did my doctor. 
and uh, and I'm not in a good place. Gangster Pete, there it all is. Uh, you you've now been pulled into this mess, even though you're really not expecting to be. But that's 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 my mindset. Well, the shoulders the sunk cost. The, what's so gonna, that? It's a sunk cost. You're gonna have to get over it. It's messed up and it sucks. Yep. But yep. you'll figure out how to Jim Abbott it around the backyard. Nice. And you'll be healed by the time Jameson's ready for a heater. So <laughs> it's all gonna work out. So you're more in the uh, mindset of okay, it sucks, but it's gonna be okay. Don't. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like right after it happens, it really sucks. I uh, I did something similar where I was doing these group workouts, and then the young athletes would come in afterwards, and I was in great shape. And they were doing sprints, and they were kind of talking trash, and I would talk trash back to them. So we did a sprint, uh-huh. and just blew up my hamstring like right at the end of the finish oh, line. Oh, really? And I was so mad at myself. I'm like, why did I think? Why I did I engage in that? Why crap? did I think I could do this to these kids? But uh, you know, it took a few days. Then I realized, all right, let's just get it better. So what did you, you have to do with the hamstring? Just rest it pretty yeah. much, which sucked because I was working out every day. I loved it. I was in great shape. And then uh, all of a sudden I just couldn't do it all because of my stupidity. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's like, That competitive outlet's part of it too. You don't have as many things now that you can compete in. So it's kind of like competing with yourself. Yep. So I get it. Thing. I've been there. It sucks. That's the thing. I think some of that's the cool because, I mean, for me, golf is that. Mm-hmm. Not even competitive. It's competitive with myself. And uh, when the weather cools down, that's when I get back into playing poker. I did. I'm kind of off that now. Um, but who knows if I'm going to sit in my bed for days. Uh, maybe I'll become Phil Ivey again. Uh, or again, maybe I'll not lose hundreds of dollars. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing it and just going, what was I doing? But I'd like to think at this point now, I'll know, I'll know better going forward. And the thing is, I should say this, and it's, and, and I, 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 there's a, there is an omerita absolutely it, with regard to medical, um, even, you know, I mean, even if I'm talking about myself still, and I'm obviously not going to name the doctors, the doctors have been great, great, uh, physical therapy, great. Um, but it's tough when you kind of get, I don't know if conflicting, just differing, Conflicting makes it sound like there's people in, you know, passionate disagreement, but uh, uh, differing opinions on what to do. Uh, so people not in the medical world, Van Slyke's like, do it now while you're young. Because um, he just had it done, I think, last year. And I would see him at the gym and he'd be like, I wish I would have never done this. I would never do this again. I'm like, and that's what kept sticking out in my mind. Uh, and I know that Edmonds told my friend, and he was texting me, oh, he's had it done six times, that if you can avoid it and deal with the pain, just deal with it. And it's not like, that's the thing. I don't feel, right now I don't feel pain. I got an MRI. I was showing the cat and Doug this. And you're going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Can you see the bruiser? Yep. So that's where they put the stuff in the contra, the needles for the contrast for the MRI. And so one of the doctors yesterday walks over and you know, I'm, I don't have my shirt off and he just walks over and he starts feeling on, he press and he, and he just, that's where he presses. Holy shit. And I didn't realize that's where the MRI was, which is still obviously bruised. I mean, it's got a hell of a bruise on it. And I'm like, God, this guy must be incredible because he just found a location for pain that I had never felt in this three and a half months of this stuff. And then I look, then I, you know, I'm getting undressed and I go, oh, that's the bruise from the MRI. And I just didn't realize it was that. And that's why it's so sensitive, which makes me feel better. I hadn't even been thinking about this thing with, with the exception of playing catch with Jameson and, uh, and it, and it getting re re irritated, but it just shows that that's going to happen. So one of the people said, 
if you can live with 99% of the time it being fine and then knowing that a day or two you're going to take a step backwards, he goes, then and it, and it probably is better to just go, yeah, I'm not going to mess with the surgery because it is, it's brutal. The rehab is brutal. Now, almost everybody who has it is glad that they have it, but not everybody. And it's brutal and, you, and it is going to take months. So, you know, I just want you to know that. And I appreciate that. I'm getting great counsel. But it's just tough when some people say you ought to do it and some people say don't do it. And that makes it more, like with the appendectomies we both had. Now, you were getting it at like 8. I was getting it at 41. But, uh, you know, there's no choice. You know, and they're, and they're not going to like, most of the time anyway, mess up the appendectomy. You know, you're going to, it's going to be tended to, and then you're going to, you know, you're going to have a healing period. But unless all of a sudden you had some major issue with this appendectomy and I'm blowing it off like it was nothing. No, I misspoke. My uh, appendectomy was eighth grade. The tonsils was third grade. Ah, uh, I see. It was bothering me since I said it. I was kind of thinking, uh, you watched in Saturday Night Live at third grade was quite precocious. Well, I used to sneak out and get behind the couch when my parents were watching it. Uh-huh. I, I didn't think that they realized I was there. And they just were like, okay, we know Pete's yeah, back here. And we're Pete's just not going yeah. bother, to so, bother with this whole deal. They knew the whole time. So, I, I, I that's where I am. I, I, and the reason why I bring up Cletus, like, I love Cletus. Like, I don't know if you know Cletus, how you can't love Cletus. And Cletus is my partner in golf events. And he's like, you're my partner. You got to be healthy for the year. And I'm just like, dude, if I get the shoulder surgery, even in events that we plan in the summer, I don't think, I don't really think it's realistic that I'd be playing. I don't know. I certainly think it's not a lock either way. Um, but like I said, it just, and, and yeah, here's the other thing. Here's actually probably the, 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 the second biggest thing next to my son. You know, for the last two years, we have gone to Jupiter, Florida during spring training. And, you know, the golf thing is kind of like a whatever, you know. I mean, it, it just is. Um, it's not as important to me as it certainly sounds like it is to Cletus and some, other, some of my other friends. But the Jupiter, Florida thing is something that, I mean, brings such happiness to me and my wife in part because her parents, and she's an only child, are able, they, you know, they live with, with us in the house that we get. Uh, they are able to have all of that time with our son. My wife and I are just so happy there. We are just so happy there. When I talk about my love for Jupiter, Florida, it's not like a fuck St. Louis thing. It's just like, we love it there. We just, we hate the cold. And we're, we just know we're happy there. And it's not a shot at St. Louis. Sometimes some St. Louisans get all... Oh, you fucking think it's so much. It's not. We just love that. You can like other things and still love St. Louis. Settle the fuck down. Um, and so if I'm in a sling or I have to have, I just, you can't do it. I can't do it. You know, I mean, I can do it, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. And, you know, the number of years we can do this without our son being in school are, I think this year and next year. And so I just fucked up and, and potentially took one of those years away. And I'm not sure we'd be able to, who knows what the situation is going to be next year. And I'm not, and, and by the way, I should say, I wasn't even hundred percent sure we were going to do it this year before the, sh- the shoulder thing, but I took, I took, I took that away. So that tilts me, potentially took it away. So all of that, uh, is what's, uh, is what's contributing to. So I guess what I'm saying is I wanted to vent, vent on my own here. Um, I would prefer, I don't know, I shouldn't say it because I know everybody who does it has pure intent. 
But like, I think as much as I love Cletus, like all of like the long texts about, uh, you know, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And, you know, and then all these reasons, it's like, it just kind of wore me out because I had seen one person earlier in the day who's like, yeah, I wouldn't do it. You know, and this person, you know, is a doctor. Uh, at least I wouldn't do it yet. But then you get, you know, people who are professional athletes. They're saying, do it when you're young. Like I said with Van Slyke. And then Edmonds is like, if you can take the pain, I wouldn't do it. And it's just like, this person's in this, this person's in this. They've done it or they're doctors. And so you don't have a, so then it's like, then, it, then the action falls on me. And even if it is the right answer to get it done, I know I'm going to be going through months of misery in order to get there. I don't know how it impacts the show. Obviously, I'll miss some time on the show. That's a problem. Um, that's just a whole thing. So I need, I needed to vent, and I, uh, I need tales of lesbianism or something of that ilk to put me in a, in a better mindset. I think that's that's that seems to be historically the cure all. Um, Gangster Pete, any final thoughts before I turn to the uh, the fan page and the email inbox? I think you covered it pretty thoroughly. It sounds like you're bored by the topic. That's <laughs> that's my read. You're bored by the topic. Um, all right, I needed to do that. I've been looking forward to being able to vent, but I didn't want to do it on the radio show. So this is our little secret for those of you who podcast. Um, and the other thing is about people sending an email. Every, everybody's situation is a case-by-case case thing. Like, Cletus is like, oh, well, I didn't realize you weren't in pain. He goes, I couldn't function. I go, okay, that's the thing. It's like, there's not a, a one-size-fits-all here. I happen to not really be in pain, minus where the doctor pressed on my bruise from the MRI. I didn't even think I had a tear, neither did my doctor. So, you know, it's a case-by-case case thing. So I understand emailing in and saying, hey, you ought to do it, or hey, don't do it, but we're, we're in different situations. I guess that's... That's what I'm saying. But I still wanted to, I should have just done this like and talked to the wall because Pete's <laughs> mad about it. The audience is going to be like, oh, I wanted to email in and say something nice, but now you told me not to email you. And now I'm like, fuck you, you know? And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if we could, unless you went to medical school, as far as recommended, you can tell, I, I'm interested in the story. I'm interested in the stories of recovery and rehab. I absolutely am. I'm not interested in you telling me what to do. That's what I'm not interested in. That's, and I, I hope that's understood. Just like I, it's like, I'm not, I, if I go through this, I'm not going to tell people what to do. Here's my cautionary tale. I was lifting too much weight and I didn't work my shoulders and it, it's done whatever it's done to me. I know at the very least I have a tear in my labrum and there's the cautionary tale. I'm not saying don't lift heavy weights. I'm just saying this happened. Let the buyer beware. All right. I got to find, I got to find something. Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan show. Without him, we don't have a podcast. So make sure you're supporting our sponsor. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. All right, I see it. Uh, this is perfect. I'm a landing strip guy. You? Simple, <laughs> as no, simple enough, I and mean, it's perfect. It's a perfect audible. Uh, Gangster Pete, you uh, you have the floor after I... What, what's the moment. question? Am I a landing strip guy? I'm a landing strip guy. You. <laughs> Does he mean for himself or for his wife? I, I have operated under the assumption while I a- asking that question that it is for his uh, his female companion or gentleman companion. I mean, I'm good at mixing it up. I, don't, I wouldn't say I have one or the other. I am, I'll tell you what I'm not, the rebirth of Bush, like my gangster stroll. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that was like a one-year fad. I think. I really hope. But at the same time, I mean, I'm not, you know, this is kind of me just like speaking for, you know, for those of you still out there in the game. Uh, I can tell you while in the game, it was wonderful in what I think was like the mid-late 90s where the landing strip kind of emerged uh, and then it was followed by its good friend and cousin, the clean-shaven look. Because in the early 1990s, when uh, it was just uh, starting to, to get acclimated to rookie ball, uh, it was it was full-on 1970s shrubs, at least with, you know, my limited friends of the feather. I don't know what your experiences were. You're a few years younger than me, but uh, that's that's what I recall and going, boy, this is kind of... This is kind of a whole thing. For for this being the goal, this is kind of a whole thing now. I missed the full-on. You missed it? Yeah. You never dealt with it? No. Wow. There needs to be like an oral history, no pun intended, on like what went on from like 91 through 99 with, because things happened, man. Things happened. And again, I'm kind of getting on the tail end of that. But the, I, 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 I got to the 1990s were, uh, were, were the, the halcyon days of pubic hair. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a time, you know, what the 1960s were to culture in America, the 1990s were to pubic hair in America. I, cause I mean, by the, by the end of the 1990s, if you saw full on Bush, you know, you press something had gone wrong, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd gone home with the wrong person. Well, and during that era, I guess you never knew what you're going to get. It's kind of like you a, didn't. a surprise. Clean shaven landing strip. And I'm fine with either. But right. the full on, right? And it's not like, listen, I mean, you know, probably not a surprise here. It's not like I was putting up Wilt Chamberlain numbers here, but I, I encountered them all, and it was always. But you also kind of knew based on the personality, that's, you know. There, that's there was, a fact. It isn't you know, like the hippie girl. Like there was a girl at, at KOMU. I think the statute of limitations is up uh, <laughs> in Columbia. I guess in hindsight, there were a few, um, but this particular one, I really. Uh, an eccentric uh, personality, kind of a uh, badass, and uh, and also kind of a a hippie, uh, and um, and we had an evening, and then it never wound up going where I think we both were kind of like, eh, maybe we're gonna go. And if I had to bet, I'm like, I mean, that's a that's a that's a full on shrub factory, and that was 1999. But more often, I. think think in 1999 you're talking about clean shaven but at the very least landing strip i think that's a fair assessment i think i can vouch for 99 you can, and that's a, what a what a key year it's like 69 for american culture 99 for the for the pubis uh, i i welcome feedback on that always feedback team mckernan at inside stl.com just don't tell me what to do with my shoulder unless you're a doctor uh let's see I don't really like this topic, but I'm going to go into it because maybe you'll want to talk about it. In your opinion, how long do you foresee the XFL lasting? I see the novelty catching on here, but I find it damn near impossible for it to catch on in places like New York or L.A. City well known for its support of professional football. I think that was facetious from Carlos Spicy. We right there at the end. And I feel like people have kind of, it kind, it's kind of become a, you know, you're either for Trump or against Trump. You're either for the XFL. And I, I, want, I want it to work. I'd just be surprised if it did. The one thing that I would say to counter that is I can't imagine somebody as bright when it comes to marketing, like Vince McMahon does not have a plan. So 
it's kind of, I don't know how it's going to work, but because of him and the fact that he failed before, I don't know how it he won't put it in a position to work. I just don't, I have, but I, and it's one of those things, it's kind of like college basketball guy, like Billiken guy has emerged this year, which is really Go Bills. a phenomenon. You know, and it's, it's the same thing as Missouri guy. Listen, I think I'm harder on Missouri guy than any fan base guy. Missouri guy and up until June of 19, Bill Blues guy had a lot in common. Uh, now Missouri guy's kind of on his island. But uh, like we, t- I, like just I was starting off the show a few weeks ago and I just rattled off things. Just yeah, as we do, the show is, is nonsensical. It isn't like, oh, I've prepared my topics here. And I just rattle off things and then like like three texts immediately. Well, you didn't mention the Billikens win. I'm just like, oh. But in the bubble of college sports fandom, I would imagine I'm unpopular with Billiken fan. First off, they tend oftentimes to be a little older. And then secondly, I'm viewed as Missouri guy. But I'm not popular among some Missouri guys, especially the hardcore Missouri guys, because I don't sit there and, you know, you know, say everything is wonderful. So college guy in general in the bubble. And I worry that XFL guy might be emerging you notice that okay oh, so you're yeah. with me on this uh-huh. and it's and that's why i don't really want to talk i don't know I, it's like i want it to work i have no interest in going into that building and watching a football <laughs> game it's right. a terrible fucking building and if you've been to five nfl stadiums you know what i'm talking about and so it's awful i didn't enjoy it when the rams were here and even when the team was great it was kind of like oh it sucks there at home so we got to go there i'd rather watch them play in seattle or new york or whatever um so I noticed this thing, and it's kind of like, oh, you're not for the XFL. You're not talking up the XFL. I want it to work, <laughs> but I can't sit here and, like, be de- – like, I want Missouri basketball to work, but they lost last night to Mississippi State by, like, 100, and I couldn't care any fucking less. If it weren't for Gabe and Dave Matter tweeting basket by basket my timeline, I wouldn't even have known they were playing, and I went to school. there. I just don't care, and that's where I went to school, so it's my team. But I just, I'm not emotionally invested. I want the, it's the, the Blues right now. Somebody I saw saw on the fan page, it's like the 2004 Cardinals. They just win. You just expect them to win. It's dominating. But I'm never going to be as emotionally invested in regular season NHL as I am in, in postseason. It's just never going to happen. And if that gets people mad, it's just like, why do you fucking care if I'm not into it as much as you are? I'm not telling you not to watch it. Don't tell me to watch it. If you love the XFL and go caca caca all day long. I am so happy for you that you now have that, but I just can't, I can't act like I'm going to be emotionally invested in it. I can't, I can't do it. That's what the the thesis behind the, the Ryan Kelly morning after has been. If one of the six members of the show is engaged in a topic, the topic will work because one of us will talk in a way that will engage the audience. And ideally everybody is. But if one is, it's better than having like this vanilla sports radio thing where I'm hosting with Pete and, well, Missouri lost last night to Mississippi State, Pete. Boy, that's tough to see after they played so well against Florida. A lot of people starting to wonder about Conzo Martin, and then I kind of pass the ball to you, and then you say nothing, and then you pass the ball to me, and we're looking at the clock like, okay, we got four minutes until a break. Well, should we take calls? You know, that's not anything I'm interested in doing. So, with that said, that's how I am in general, and that includes the Cardinals, the team that's the reason why I'm doing this stuff, uh, way back when, anyway. Gangster Pete, your take on uh, the XFL. I mean, like you said, I mean, I hope it works out. I don't think it has much of a chance to. I'm not getting too invested in it. I think that football might be, I mean, you could be the smartest guy in the world and still have blind spots. This could be Vince McMahon's blind spot, like, he wants it to work so, so well. 
Uh, I mean, I hope it works out. Eh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not into it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I realize they wouldn't. But just for example, if for whatever reason they were an outdoor stadium and they were playing there, I just that building is just. It just it was. Terrible. See, I love that building. Do you really? Well, I went to every single game from when they moved here. So in the old bush to when I great. went to college, and then my freshman year in college, I would sober drive the actives. That was '99 when we won the Super Bowl. Nice. So I went to every game with my dad. And my brothers loved it. Like sat in the same seats. Saw a ton of shitty football, and then got to be rewarded with the good years. Right. So, I mean, I always loved going there. I know it's a shithole, but it was like our shithole. Right. So, for me, it was special. It was a family thing. I loved it. Uh, so, this, I mean, this is just completely different. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think one of my favorite sports memories ever is I went to the NFC Championship game, which oh, will yeah. be 20 years in eight days, by the way, January 23rd, 2000, which fucks me up. And the Ricky Pearl catch. I, I I was not at game six of the 2011 World Series. I imagine I would have had the same reaction and my reaction when Pearl caught that ball. Because you think, we were thinking at the time they were going to lose that game. I know I was. You, so I imagine you were there. If you were oh, yeah, the I was yeah. there. I mean, that was unbelievable. I mean, everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Tampa Bay was doing whatever they wanted to on defense. I mean, yeah. we just looked so out of sorts. And then he threw that ball into the corner. Oh, my God. And Ricky caught it. Oh, my God. Oh, and nuts. That was so funny. Warner. Uh, and uh, and I was with my, it was just me and my dad. And I'd come back from my TV job in Little Rock to take the week off. So, I'm like, I want to be in St. Louis for the week of the Super Bowl. I'm kind of going, oh, my God, I might be in St. Louis and doing nothing. Um, but uh, I remember, like, I was so, like, the moment took my breath away in the sense that I turned around and had to grab my chair to stand up. It was just the, the rush of energy. That's why you go to sporting events. For my money, that's why, that's why I go to sporting events. So I hope it works. I hope, I hope it winds up putting the NFL out of business. That's what I hope. So, I mean, that's where I am. I'd be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I'd love that. But I just, at this moment, I don't see, I guess if you could get like a, you know, like if Joe Burrow goes, I'm foregoing the NFL draft <laughs> to, to quarterback the St. Louis Battlehawks, all of a sudden, you know, you have a Jim Kelly USFL kind of deal. But uh, at this moment, I don't see it. I want to see it work. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor. But then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. Again, plenty of people can know but cares. And Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year, that this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart, and just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. All right, what do we got? It's been 20 years since Country Grammar was released. Oh, another time I almost wrecked my car the first time I heard it. The first time you heard the song? Country Grammar, yeah. They go, this is a new rapper from St. Louis. I was getting on 55, and then it came on, and it was like, hot shit. Yeah. And I was like, almost wrecked my car. I'm like, this is awesome. Oh, so, so that was the question. Yeah. Do you have any memories associated with the first time you remember hearing it or memories about Nelly blowing up and what that was like for someone from St. Louis to hit that type of stardom? Well, Gangster Pete, looks like you're ready to answer this question. Well, I mean, it was awesome. Because like, I've always been big into rap, so... St. Louis never really had like an awesome rapper until Nelly came along. And that, that first album was 
awesome yeah, from start to finish. Like I still listen to it yeah, from it start is. to finish sometimes. So for me, that was awesome. I was like, wow, we're on the map. And then the videos were so cool too because they were all places in St. Louis. They were wearing the jerseys for Mizzou and the Blues and the Rams. Nelly would drive his Rams car to all the games because that was when the Rams were blowing up too. So I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was, a, it, it was I, awesome. I think I think I don't know where I saw it because I was living in Little Rock. I mean, I was in Little Rock from July of '99 to March of 2000, and it was right around that time. Um, and for whatever reason, initially, I think I was just kind of like, "Oh, this is the coolest guy from St. Louis," but I'm not really. I, I just I don't. I think I almost like tuned it out, and then I got really into it. And then I remember listening to the rest of the album and going, "Man, this album is damn good. Yeah. It's not just." And what I remember actually about it most is then the 2000 Cardinals. And I always picture Rick Ankiel kind of DJing. And Rick and I were both super young. He had just turned 21 in July, I believe, of 2000. Uh, I was 23. And when the Cardinals, the Cardinals kind of adopted Nelly and the, uh, God, what the, what the hell was the name of the song? Take a Ride With Me, but that's not the name of the song. Ride With Me. Ride With Me, there it is. Um, wit, wit, not with. Featuring City Spud. Yeah. Uh that became their song. So when I hear that song, I picture the 2000 being in the Cardinal Clubhouse in 2000 when they clinched the division, which they did at Bush Stadium 2, and when they beat the Braves uh, in Atlanta at, uh, what the hell is that thing called? Is it called Turner Stadium? Turner Field? Is that what it's called? Turner Field sounds right. Uh, which they were only in for like 20 years. And uh, and them celebrating and, you know, I'm picturing a few of the players who got so shit faced so quickly that they were like passed out, which was hilarious. I will not name names. Um, but it was just, I mean, it was just, a, it was just, a, it was just, a, it's a time. I don't think that's a nostalgia thing. I think in 2001, I would have been like, man, that was great. That was because, you know, I picture that, that sporting news cover with Edmonds, Pronger and Warner and St. Louis number one sports city. And how the stock was just so high at that time. And then to think, you know, 15 years later, what, where things were uh, with the Rams. I mean, the Rams were, the Ram, for my money, at that time, the Blues had won the President's Trophy. And I realized they lost that year in the, in the first round of the Sharks. And the Cardinals won the division. And they lost the NLCS with the Ankiel blow up the Mets. Uh, he blew up two different starts. One against the Braves and one against the Mets. Um, that... That the Rams owned the city, which might sound weird or sacrilegious even now, blasphemies, blasphemous, but uh, that's what it was. I mean, that was that owned the city. And I was working at KMOV, which means I was working with Steve Savard, and he was the voice of the Rams. The first season was 2000 for him. Mike Bush was in 99. And I was on the road with the Rams, that Monday night game against uh, Denver, where you had Torrey Holt and Azakim running down the sideline together, having a conversation. Uh, I think the next game was against the Seahawks, and they were building the stadium they're in now, but the kingdom had blown up, and so they were playing where the University of Washington plays, and I remember going up there, and that's where Shoot Will Fix It was born because the Rams gave up a shitload of points again, and Martz was the coach, and he just had this confidence that, you know, we're going to win, so it doesn't matter, and I, I don't think it was necessarily me asking the question, but it was certainly a question, like, are you a little concerned about the defense? Oh, shoot, we'll fix that. And, oh, and they never fixed it. So you had this incredible offense that was eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. But that's when I think of Nelly, I associate it with St. Louis sports in 2000. And just it's a, it's a happy time. I mean, I'm 23. I'm living my dream job. Um, you know, my friends are here. People are still going out. If anything, it makes me go, God, I wish I could go back to that and take better advantage of it. 
that's what I think of. But as far as a music standpoint, uh, that's easily my favorite album of his. Um, when Joe Buck and I did a show, I'm pretty sure we had Nelly on. Uh, and um, I'd love to have him on the podcast. I don't know if he still lives here. I always heard he had a place at Lake St. Louis. I mean, I'm sure he, he has He did. Ride. I'm not sure if he still lives. Yeah. Um, he had, he had MTV Cribs went there. So I... Uh, when that it's a great a question. Thing. 20 years ago. God, yeah, there's going to be a That question makes me feel old as shit. Yeah. People are asking me, do you remember what it was like, like when Nelly's Nelly. album came out? I'm like, how do you not? Oh, God. Like, because like, I found, and I think I said this to you, and I don't know where I was talking about Reese. Oh, I was interviewed by uh, TJ Weber and Nick Yale, who have their own thing going. Um, God bless them for starting up, two guys who worked with uh, with, with us. And um, And how did it come up? Oh, I was talking about interviewing Courtney Bryant and young page views. And I said, it was through that, that I discovered, cause I, as I think I've said before, I think people think my fascination with Courtney Bryant is her appearance. And listen, I, I understand that. And I don't blame people for thinking it, but you know, and I, I don't know how I can say this without it coming off any other, I don't know. It can be taken the wrong way, but fuck it, whatever, you know, being around, an attractive woman isn't like something where I go, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to... It's a real know. girl. Yeah, it's a real... It's, it's, it's just like, you know, it's not... It's, that's not like a, you know, a, a, you know, that's not it. And Young Page Views, I'm in the same class on him. And I think what it is, I think what it is, is an appreciation for maybe seeing what these people don't see. Because both of them, when I first... Uh, met them, saw them for the first time when I'm going, you have no idea what you're about to experience from a career standpoint. And they're not aware of it as opposed to, um, somebody who might not have shit going on, or even if they do have shit going on, but they're like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the, the best, you know? And that's kind of like, I look back on that time and it's, I remember Dan Buck who was on KSDK at the time. And I was, I think it might've been the night the Cardinals won the division. And so everybody's hanging out and fucking off. And this was a Bush too in those back offices. And he was with some people and he goes, I have wanted to meet you and say, congratulations. And I go, Oh, thank you. You know, I just know him from growing up in St. Louis. And I guess he was on show me St. Louis, I think. And always thinking he was related to Joe. He wasn't. Um, and he goes, I mean, what you have done, you're 23 and you're anchoring and you're doing, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, like he goes, God, because I think he was kind of doing what I, I do with, with Ben young page views and with Courtney and going, you have, no, you have no idea what you're about to embark on because you're here at this point. And, that, and, and he's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta try to get to the network by 30. And I'm thinking to myself, nah, I'm just kind of happy here. You know, <laughs> It's like, this is fun. I don't really want to do it. I kind of look back on it. And I would have made sure I kept taking Propecia. Though I had hair then, I would have kept taking Propecia. That's what I think. When I think of Nelly, that's what I think of that time. And it was just a happy fucking time. And those teams were all so good. And it didn't just end in 2000. 2001 Rams, a lot of those guys in the 99 team say the 2001 team was better. Uh, the 2001 Blues went to the Western Conference Finals. And the 2001 Cardinals were, you know, arguably uh, a team that really could have won the World Series. Whoever won that Diamondback Series was going to beat the Braves. They all say that. Uh, and that meant they would have played the Yankees and you would have had the September 11th. And you had that going on, of course. That's another thing. But that's what I was getting to with the, the tales of these young people who I admire. So even though Billie Eilish isn't like necessarily my music and it hits me hard when I realize my two-year-old son is closer in age to her than I am uh, and he is a fan of her work. And so we're driving along and he's like, Dada, Billy, bad guy. 
And so then we're just listening to it on, on forever and he wants to watch the music video. I don't know if he has a crush. I don't know what's going on. I just know this is what's going on. And I'm like, I listened to her on Stern and, and I'm just like, God, I have such an appreciation. I think she's kind of grounded Her family's cool family. And I'm just like, I have an appreciation for young talent. That's, that's, that's what I think. I think it's just like a, I, I don't even know what it is. It's just like, here, here is some, maybe it's like, I think, I feel like I've spotted something that maybe not everybody's hip to. And so it's a pride thing. I'm trying to figure out what the, what, 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 it, what my motive is on it, but, but I just know that's where I am. So with young page views with Courtney, uh, who I obviously have gotten to know, but with, uh, Billy Eilish, who I, if not, I just, that's what I am in like, awe. and I think I have a better appreciation for it when it comes to, um, those kinds of talents, maybe more so than athletes. And perhaps it's because the athletes usually have been told for years that they're the greatest. And so there isn't that, um, humility that Courtney, uh, Ben, and what seemingly was the case from the Stern interview was the case with, uh, with Billy Eilish. So, um, that's where I mean, that's, that's what I think of when I think of that time. And it's just a fucking happy time, man. You know, like I said, Blues Western Conference Finals, Cardinals, in the NLDS, Rams in the Super Bowl. And I guess maybe that was kind of the, you know, that, that night was the beginning of the end for the Rams in New Orleans. Uh, they went to the playoffs in 2002, but they lost in the second round of the Wingy Wingies, which was basically like a Hall of Fame Field of Dreams team for hockey. Uh, and the Cardinals had the Daryl Kyle Jack Buck summer and then lost to the Giants. Um, so I don't know, the teams were all good. Um, no, no, no. It's just, I, I was just so lucky to, I was lucky to be able to do what I was doing at the time. Anyway, it was a dream job situation. And then the teams are all good. You know, I mean, if there was a time, if I could freeze a five year time in St. Louis sports to do what I did at KMOV and then let's start doing radio in 2002. I mean, that would be it. I mean, what a time I, you know, it's like this vault of behind the scenes things that I saw and heard. Uh, that was it. So I tie Nelly into that. When I hear Nelly's music, in particular that album, that's what I think of. So Gangster Pete pulled over to the side of the road because the music hit him so hard. I, I, it triggers memories for me. And there's my time at Mizzou. So it's like the soundtrack oh, yeah. of my college. Nah, that's the best. That's the best, too. Uh, are you guys doing the show from spring training? Good question. I know the station wants to. We have a variety of factors um, that uh, contribute to uncertainty at this point on my end. It's my shoulder on Doug's end. He is currently in the spot where he's anchoring every night and the cat's end. It's the dates that he's going to be there. So it is, uh, it is uncertain. Um, let's see any interest in doing a political type podcast during the upcoming election season, maybe find someone with opposing views, but they don't just throw out the typical talking points. I have, there was a guy on meet the press this week. Do you watch meet the press gangster Pete? I figure this is a one in 30, but I'll ask it anyway. I do not. Okay. Um, who was a guest on the panel and he had just started and I can't recall what it's, what it's called, but it's a conservative outlet, but it's not opinion. And I'm like, this is great. If this can actually work. Um, I think when people say, I don't know who to watch or listen to who's right down the middle, I say to that chicken and egg, because the people who would be in a position where you would find out about them are playing to the extremes because that's where the money is, which then gives them the larger platforms. If you follow the, you know, as we backtrack. So, um, I'm anxious to hear that. The, 
my my I don't know. I don't know. I I, I enjoy t- Tony Messenger's coming in for the podcast, and I realize immediately people go on the left. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, although Tony says he's a moderate, I don't know. Um, I I really like talking with David Hunt, although we talk more local issues. I have a feeling we would. David and I both. I recall, and this was this was something he volunteered on his own. Um, he goes, I think it's, and I'm paraphrasing, it's something I've said a few times on questions from the, uh, that I think one of his parents voted for Trump. And he goes, this thing where we like cast Trump voters to the side as being either stupid or racist is really unhealthy for the country. And I just couldn't agree more with that in a major way. I feel real strongly about that. However, I also feel real strongly about we have to operate off the same set of facts. So we, we can't, you know, I, I, I kind of wish like a somebody would emerge who would be a, a Democrat who I would go, God, this motherfucker, you know, God, how did this, how are people like buying into this? You know, I, I really want that because I could display what I know I am, which is I'm, I'm more into the person than the party. And I'm way more, and I'm in the person more than the party because it's intuitive on who I think will act in the greater good. And I just see this stuff and I'm just like, how can you say this? Like, and then how, okay, I get kind of why the person in power is saying it. I'm not limiting this to the White House at all. But then like, how can you as a supporter, you know, like I kind of, like my friends who go, yeah, I know, but the policies benefit either me as an individual or our business or whatever, but I know, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. So I, I gotta, I gotta find that person. And if I can, I would love it. I would love it. Like if we're both coming from a place of, but if we're like going to argue about whether or not the sky is blue, I can't have the discuss. I can't do it. I'm not interested. I'm just not interested. I'll fucking, I'll, I'll commit, you know, uh, suicide through banging my head against the wall and I have zero interest in it. I would love it if that can happen. Um, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if I can find this poll. Uh, I asked the question. Um, I love doing polls. I love doing polls in particular on the fan page. A gangster Pete, you, you giggled because you're 12 years old and you thought <laughs> double entendre. Is that right? Is that my read? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, so I need to be better than that. What I need to do, I need to, I need to beat you to the punch on that. Tell me more. Yeah, exactly. I love, I love a good, good poll, but I love the polls on the fan page more so than Twitter. I know I'm going to get a, a larger sample size on Twitter, but it can lead to, you know, the dog avatars and the flag avatars coming out. And on, and on Facebook, people know that, you know, I mean, I know there's burners, but, but that, you know, for the most part, people are using their names and they're going to be seeing what they vote. And I thought it was really interesting that I think um, I asked the question, and this was before the uh, tensions in Iran and the strike uh, at the Baghdad airport that got all of this going a couple of weeks ago, that just coincidentally, and I just did this just for my own knowledge, really, I was getting ready to put my son to bed, and that's, a, that's like an hour-long process. And I had a little time. And I was just kind of curious because I was watching Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor and I thought, you know, here's this guy who is, whether one likes him or not, he has ascended to be the Senate majority leader. And yet even Republicans go, well, this guy's just completely full of shit and it's just really disappointing. He's in this position. And I'm thinking to myself, 
That that would suck. I, I guess maybe that he might have like hundreds of millions of dollars set aside for for doing what he does, and that's the that's the upside. And it's kind of like you know when Kevin Demoff like liked a tweet when it said I'd be comfortable being the fall guy, and then he liked the tweet and was like, oh, well, he's kind of sending a message. Uh but God, I don't. I just to just like have no credibility. To me, that would suck. But maybe, you know, I don't, that, that, and, and I want to make it clear, I would feel the same way if this is something from the left, because I know that there's like, there's hypersensitivity to it. And it's just like, God, you're just such a fucking hypocrite. And it's so like grotesque and it's just like so unprincipled and it just drives me up the fucking wall that, that what led that to me posting, and I said, this is going to get banty, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to get this done before I put my son to bed, and then I took it down, and it hadn't really gotten too bad, but I was going to put my son to bed, and it would be, it would be an, an hour away from my phone, which means it wouldn't, it would probably get all, go off the rails in that time, and I just didn't want that to happen. But my question was, and I'll ask you this, Pete, maybe there's somebody who comes to mind, who in politics, preferably not like, you know, at the local level, I'm talking about aldermen, but, you know, let's go you know, higher office in the city or county um, and above, do you look to, and I don't care what side he or she is on, what party he or she is on, and you go, if that person's saying it, I believe it. Even if I don't agree with it, if that person's saying it, I believe they are speaking what they believe to be the truth. I'm skeptical of everybody. Okay. Now, is there anybody, though, that, that you... No. Uh, I just... I try to listen to both sides. Like I watch all the different channels, you know, I'll, I'll read different outlets. So, and try to kind of do my best to come up with my own opinion. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's just how I do it. I certainly, and I make no secret, I feel that way about Jack Danforth, even though we are, you know, not necessarily in lockstep on certain things, but I, I admire what I believe is his honesty, even though he knows he's going to catch hell for it, which I respect. Um, you know, from a, from a statewide, you know, from a U.S. Senate standpoint, I'm absolutely not there. Uh, absolutely not there. Uh, I mean, by the way, I wasn't there before Josh Hawley, uh, to make that clear. So this is not a, uh, coincidence or anything like that. I always feel like I got to like beat people to the punch. I'll hear saying that because when it's like, yeah, when the last Missouri primary, I voted for John Kasich, it's a fucking strangest thing. I don't know why I'm so, but whatever. Uh, uh, you know, obviously from my standpoint, not the president, I think there's a lot of people who voted for him and will vote for him again who, yeah, I know he's up there saying shit he doesn't believe or or he does believe it, which makes it even weirder, but whatever, you know. So nobody named Donald Trump. Nobody named Mitch McConnell. Nobody named Nancy Pelosi. Um, Rand Paul's name was mentioned a few times. Trying to think of the names, which sucks, and I deleted the thread. Andrew yes. Yang was on there a couple yes, times. Yes, he was. So, uh, I actually mentioned him. Chappelle just endorsed him. Oh, did he really? Yeah. I, uh, I think Bernie Sanders was mentioned, I, and, I, and I, I wonder on Bernie Sanders... You know, I read Hillary Clinton's book, and this is coming from somebody who is not a Hillary Clinton fan, because uh, she does not, in my mind, again, it's not may not be fair, even though I think she's an incredibly brilliant person. But my kind of my 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 test is, which isn't fair because I don't have data, when this person is alone and the decision is one that has made it to his or her desk, Will that person act in the greater good or will that person act in his or her own best interest? That's my test, just to let people know. So it's a read, it's, and it's completely unfair. As things have proven here over the last however many years, I've happened to have been right, but inevitably I'm going to be wrong. Uh, and, and so when that happens, I recognize it. It's not because it's not a, it's not a data, it's not an analytic, it's not an algorithm. It's, an, it's intuitive. 
Um, but with regard to Bernie Sanders, I recall Hillary Clinton saying what drove her up the wall during that campaign in 2016 was she felt like he was saying things he knew he could never get past. And he was setting the bar at something that was unrealistic and then made her look like the Debbie Downer because she was not going to stand up there and say things that she would get past if and when she was in the White House because she knew that from being in the Senate that those it just wasn't realistic. It wasn't going to get passed. We talk about free college all day long. It's not going to happen. So we can sit here and talk about these things, but it's not going to happen. So let's talk about what's realistic. But, you know, as I've seen, it's, it's, it's become more important. You know, there was a debate last night and I, you know, I watched shit, I don't know, 15 minutes of it. It's more about who got off the best line. And then that's who won. Like Amy Klobuchar got off this line and Elizabeth Warren this line. And Pete Buttigieg showed that he was ready when he said this. And it's just like, I don't know. That's just not what I'm necessarily looking for. But I get it's what moves numbers. But I don't like it. It's a flawed process. But I'm more interested in who I can sit and, and believe is telling the truth, and that's kind of the core issue. But, but the reason I ask that question is nobody mentioned Donald Trump. If you were to ask even people who are who would consider themselves conservative or Trump voters, they acknowledge, they know that that they know that, that you know. I don't know how you can, you know, whatever. Say so yes, no, and he's up there. He is telling the truth. I think you know even the most ardent recognize that situation. But it was interesting. Because I think the fan page is probably, at this point, Gangster Pete, 40%, but 60, 40 Trump supporters. Um, for if, if, the, if, the, if, if the election were to be today. Uh, is that, do you agree with that? I honestly that? have no idea. Because you, you are, you are, you are, you, you only pop up on the fan page when I tag you in something. Pretty much, yeah, yes. Okay. Uh, so I think that's about where it is at this moment. But. What was interesting is the question was asked, do you believe the White House, the Secretary of State, when they say um, an attack was imminent and that's why they struck? And, and I had a feeling this would happen because when it's us against another nation, whether we believe our president or not, we want to believe that we are acting honorably. And so initially, before more information came out and the story started to kind of change or conflict, uh, it was at about 75%. Yes, I believe an attack was imminent. And this, that, therefore, that means that that's coming from a healthy percentage of people who will not be voting for Donald Trump. So I thought that that inadvertent poll was interesting. And I kind of figured it would be that way, by the way. Um, and, you know, it was more as kind of you know, come out and the stories have changed and the goalposts have moved. Uh, the numbers have moved down from 75%. I think it's more like about 700 to, to 300. So it's still 70, 30. Um, I believe I haven't looked at this in like two days, but the point is, is that people will believe in their country. Americans will believe in their country, whether they don't necessarily ascribe to their president's views or the way he conducts himself or she conducts themselves. So, um, it's just a matter of who people really trust. And I think that's, I think that's a trait that is at this moment lost. And somebody was saying, and I think it might've been Jason Kander when he was asked, you know, he nearly beat Roy Blunt in a state that went heavily for Donald Trump. And I think what he said about that was, and I don't know whose podcast this was on, but I recall hearing him, Pete, I don't know if you listened to the interview. We've, we've, I've actually texted with him, about having him come on. Um, but I don't know where I heard him say it, but, but he was asked about it. it might be, I think it was David Axelrod. I think that's whose podcast it was. And he said, well, Kander said, 
I think there's something to be said for even if even if people don't agree with you, if they believe you, oftentimes you'll get people who may be voting one way for one office to vote your way on another on on the office you're running for. And I think there's something to be said for that. So as when I, as I look at the Democratic candidates as it stands right now, and I guess this is I guess this is what we have. Um, I just don't know. I think Yang, Buttigieg, and Sanders would be people who I really believe they're saying what they think. I don't, I certainly would put all of them as underdogs. I, I, I'd put, it doesn't matter, I'd put Biden as an underdog. I'd put Warren as an underdog um, to Donald Trump. I mean, I'm of the opinion the ship has already sailed unless something major, major, major happens between now and November. But um, I'd be anxious to see how it would play out if one of those three got the nomination. Um, I think we would agree, Pete, that they would all three be considered unlikely to get the nomination, although Sanders is trending up. Buttigieg is still live, certainly. Yang, I think, is a long shot. He wasn't even on the yep. stage at the debate. Um, now, what is your feeling on that? I'm uh, putting I, you on the spot here with a No, I think, I think the left is in trouble unless someone emerges... Because uh, whoever whoever it is is going to be an underdog in the election, I think. Yeah, I just I just don't. I mean, maybe maybe somebody will emerge and really resonate. I don't know. I hope someone does. Yeah, I just I just I I just it, I just don't I don't know. God, if you said okay, put a hundred dollars down on who's going to win the Democratic nomination, I have no. I swear to you, I have no idea. Did you, would you? And I'm not talking about who you necessarily would support. I'm just talking about. No, uh, Yang and Pete would be my guys, but but it's, but you know they're, they're yeah, unlikely, very unlikely. Yeah, I mean, Mayor Pete is is uh, is at least at this moment more likely, and maybe if he wins Iowa and finishes second in New Hampshire, because it would be unlikely that it's very unlikely that whoever wins Iowa also wins New Hampshire. But I mean, he's going to get blown off the field in South Carolina. Um, that maybe that can carry momentum. I don't know. I, and people start taking him more seriously that, that aren't just like, have been following this stuff closely for the last six months. I don't know. But God, if you said you got to put a hundred dollars down and this person, you know, on the bet, I have no idea. I feel like the, like the safest one would be Warren, but I don't think that she's going to get the nomination. I don't think Biden's going to get it. I just, you know, I just, I just don't, but I mean, he, but I guess from a polling standpoint, he would, I mean, he just, he just clearly to me, it's just, it's just not all what it was when he was leaving his term as vice president. And it's unfortunate. And I feel badly for him. I feel badly for him because of that. And then also because when he was ready to run, he experienced, you know, yet another family tragedy and that kept him from running. Um, and that's a that's that's a brutal thing. Whether I one agrees with his politics or not, that's that that's that's a brutal thing. So I don't know. And I thought this was you know, God. So anyway, the question was: Would I like to have a political? Yeah, I would. I absolutely would. And maybe David Hun's that person. Actually, that's that, that's somebody I'd do a show with. I'd like that. You like your big David Hun guy too? Yeah, I think you guys are good together. Yeah, also. I gotta have him back in here. Uh, all right, good question. You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a first-hand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff in Webster Groves. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I think a lot of people just go, okay, well, I've got a guy. 
got a lady. I'm good. I don't really care to talk about insurance. It's something, you know, I'm 25, whatever. And that's fine. I understand. I used to think the same way. And then I go down to my basement on March 30th of 2019 and the basement's flooded and the world changes. It just so happens because my interactions with James have been so positive that my wife and I switched to James Carlton uh, in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not, the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now, he still checks in. You know, I mean, it's it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which, of course, was a substantial issue, um, you know, we weren't covered on, on something, or I had forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. But he's like, hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. We want to make sure that's taken care of so you're covered. It's just... It's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey, Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me. And I go, oh, it's James Carlton. Here, let me include him on the on the email. And I know he's going to be on top of it. I don't think twice about it. It's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up. And I'm like, oh, God, I hope he does okay. The best, the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments so you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency will certainly do that. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. I'm far from political. I have no idea what the questions are. So I'm far from a political person. I tend to turn the other direction when it is brought up. However, on the last QFTA, I was really infatuated with your view of our news today. It couldn't have been more right, and I think a lot of people would agree with this. I am someone who voted for Barack Obama both terms and chose to sit out this last election process because of the two candidates. I also believe that if the election were tomorrow, Trump would win in a landslide. With that being said, my question is, although you made your intentions clear that you would not vote for him, what would your overall approval percentage be? Uh, I wish I would have read this in advance. Yeah. I wonder if I wouldn't have read it. <laughs> uh, I appreciate how you look at the facts and vote based on what person you align with instead of just the party. But I've always wondered what your approval rating is of the current president. Also, has it changed over the three years from the time he took office until now? Um, ah, this is just, it's just inviting bantiness and I'm just I'm really but I, I guess I'm here now I mean well, at the same time Pete you could use the shears and we could take the whole thing out sure could um I just view him I, I have a real tough time with with anybody uh it's, it's probably a bigger deal if I'm dealing with somebody on a personal level but anybody who is just blatantly dishonest that's it's kind of that's kind of rule number one for me and it's just so you have this situation and and you go, you can't help but think, I can't help but think, oh, yeah, it's kind of taken our eyes off the impeachment hearings, hasn't it? You know? And, and so, you know, and then, and then you have 30% of the people voting. Granted, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Missouri and Illinois-based, you know, voting base. Um, but for people to even think, and 30%, one out of three people think that there's a chance that the government is just lying after what, country is endured with wars and September 11th all within the last two decades because they think there's a chance that the president 
would do this just to take the eye off of impeachment. That sucks. And, you know, I try to take myself back to, I and I don't know because I'm so, you know, I was so young when it was going on, but the Reagan years, uh, I don't know what it was like. I feel confident in saying people bought into what George H.W. Bush said. I don't know that. Again, I was, you know, 12 when he was inaugurated. But, um, you know, he was he was incredibly popular, and then the economy tanked, and that was it. And plus, he had to read my lips, no new taxes. And that was like a signature thing when he had to increase taxes. But he did what he thought was right. And perhaps if he doesn't do that, he's reelected. So I certainly know that people did not trust Bill Clinton. Um, that is the case. That's not, of course, everybody. I don't know if there was a trust issue with George W. Bush before the Iraqi war. So we're talking about January of 2001 to March of 2003. I know there was anger over the election in November of 2000. Um, and then, then that presidency was off the rails as far as I, you know, that's, that to me is the beginning of the polarization is, is the Iraqi war. It's it, the intensity of the polarization. I think the, the, the beginning of the polarization, I should say was more nineties, Clinton, cable news, impeachment, um, and then Obama. But see, for me, Obama and McCain were two people I just held in the highest of esteem when it came to telling the truth and would have been, before the selection of Sarah Palin as a vice presidential running mate, uh, two people I would have been thrilled with either way. And so that's... That's where I am. And that's why when people ask, and it's like, yeah, I guess, you know, for, you know, it's just, it's an awkward fucking conversation. But I mean, I, I probably made more in passive income last year than I ever had in my life. And I realize a part of that is because Donald Trump is in the White House. But I also believe it's, it's not a chicken and egg thing. I thought this in 2012, that if Mitt Romney were in, magically, People at a certain income level were probably going to all of a sudden things are going to pick up. It's not it's not like a coincidence <laughs> that this is the way that it works. At least I don't think it is. I could be fucking wrong. Let me make this clear. But it doesn't surprise me. So and if Mayor Pete were to get elected, I think that things would probably take a turn for the worse, depending on where you are. But it, but on the other end, of it, if you're at another spot, it might take things up at another level. I don't I, I think it's I think it's all cooked. I do, which I hate, but that's what I think. So that's why when it gets down to it, I'm thinking more of decisions that either send people into harm's way, send Americans into harm's way, um, or actually legislate how things impact people's lives. I'm picturing the president in the White House weighing two options and the person I want at that desk is the person who is going to, and I believe we've had a number of them. I don't go. I think they're all assholes or all crooked or whatever. I, and maybe I'm naive that I still at 43 think and believe that there are a lot of good people who enter um, into public service idealistically. I know a lot of them leave, not nearly as much as they were when they entered, but I still are, even after. And Jack Danforth is one I always go back to, but I don't think he's the only one. Um that that person is going to choose what he or she thinks is for the greater good and what isn't necessarily in the best interests of their legacy or getting reelected. I, 
that's 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 my that's my test. And I do not view Donald Trump that way. I don't for a second view Donald Trump that way. And if you hate me because I say that, then so be it. But at least you know that's that's my reasoning. Um, and you could disagree with it, and it's fine. And I imagine I'm going to get some emails that are going to be, you know, what they're going to be. But I don't. But I also, along those lines, if you've listened to this podcast, uh, you have heard me say over and over this thing, which I think is grotesque in labeling people as bigot or stupid because they did vote for him. I think it is incredibly damaging. The Vince Vaughn thing from the college football playoff. Like I saw that I was watching the game and I'm like, Oh, whatever. There's Vince Vaughn swingers. My favorite movie. It's, it's quoted on a daily basis on the radio show. Uh, it is part of my lexicon. Find the man incredibly amusing played a number of characters I find to be incredibly amusing from some of my favorite movies. And I didn't go, what the fuck is he doing there? And, and then sure enough, it became a thing where people are like, what the fuck were you doing there, Vince Vaughn? But then the other thing that happened with it was Fox News cooked up the outrage when they like selectively quoted somebody who was saying... I wonder where the left-wing outrage is going to be for Vince Vaughn. So, like, they used that as an example when it was actually a right-wing person saying it, and they used it as an example to cook up outrage. They're like, oh, God, this shit sucks. And that's what drives me up the wall. Like, what happened with Ellen DeGeneres and George W. Bush? And it's like, but he he voted for, uh, he voted for, you know, or against gay marriage. It's like, okay. I mean, and perhaps, and I, and I, if I had to bet, you talk to George W. Bush now, I would imagine he probably has changed his mind on that. You know, people evolve. I just, God, this shit that I just, I think it's so, I, and I just don't know if it's going to turn around. You know, it's funny, Pete, you, you know, you're in here with me on these family interviews and a number of people, and I have no idea what their politics are, but a number of people have said, one of the things, because one of the questions is what has changed, you know, over your lifetime. And these people are most of the time, at the very least in their 70s, some we've had in, in their 90s and in all ages in between. And a lot of them really are disturbed by the discourse, which is something people say in our age range. But here are people who saw it and they're just really uncomfortable with it. And I think fearful of it. If you notice that, I've sensed that from like, yeah, a, especially some of our more recent. It's not hard ones. to have a civil argument. Like it's either all or nothing. And and, and for people in their seventies, eighties, or nineties to make that observation, um, that's that stands out to me. It carries a little more credence with me. Um, all right, final one. Final one. Gangster Pete needs to get out of here. It's been a long day. Uh, let's talk health and fitness for a second. Okay, this might take me back into my shoulder thing and put me in a bad place. This is the last thing you wanted, Pete. I've been getting back into capturing all of my meals slash workouts into my fitness pal. Any tips as to how you handle entering in your meals in the app when you go to some of your favorite local eateries that do not have the nutritional content readily available? It's a good question, and it will not get me into my shoulder thing. Um, I uh, I estimate, you know, it's like, like uh, we got Dewey's Pizza um, a couple weeks ago. Dewey's Pizza is not broken down by... You know, do you use my fitness pal? I do not. Yeah, you were you're nodding, and I thought you were about to enter into the. Oh, I just was thinking about Dewey's Pizza. You're a fan. Yeah, like God, it is good. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's so good. 
I don't know why I got off of it for a while. The bacon, pe- the bacon pizza. Yeah. God almighty, is it good. It's so good. I'm a big fan. Um, but what I would tell you about that is so it's kind of a guesstimate on those. You know, some restaurants you can, and you'll have to the, you know, Chick-fil-A would be an example. And that's eye-opening. Holy shit. Uh, and it's good, though. I think it's good to enter those in because you go, oh, wow, I just did that. You know, which is oftentimes what I'll do. Like right now, I haven't I haven't had lunch yet, and I enter in my uh, my breakfast, which is the exact same thing every day: coffee, RX bar, and then at the nine o'clock break, I drink a protein shake and water, and so it's like four hundred twenty-five calories, which is less than one Chick Fil A sandwich. Uh, and then you can con yourself and go, well, I mean, it's chicken. Well, it's fine. It's fried. You know, but but again, to each their own. I mean, I'm not sitting here going, you need to do this. This is what I do. Um, so it's, it's a guesstimate if they don't have it in there. So if you're like, if a pizza place and you don't have it, like I'm using Dewey's as an example, um, or thin crust, which obviously isn't necessarily something that's prevalent throughout the country. Um, you know, you just enter it in and you guess, and you're not going to be right on now with some of these people who like live and die by, I mean, hitting their macros on the number, uh, you know, your, your proteins, carbs, and, and fats on the number, they'll be like, you got to weigh your food and you got to, and it, Hey, listen to each their own. I mean, again, that's, that's not where I am. I mean, it's, it really is calories in calories out. And, you know, from a body composition standpoint, your micro or your macros, and I have found, and I don't know if this is a case-by-case basis for people, it probably is, certainly would stand to reason, but I notice on the on the days or weeks where my weight goes up a, a couple of pounds, it's like, and I look, because I track all this shit like I'm, I'm out of my mind, that those are weeks where I had like 300 grams on uh, carbs on a, on a day, and that's what's going to do it, you know? Uh, probably more so than if I had like 250 grams of protein when you're supposed to get about, you know, a gram or seven-tenths of a gram of protein, depending on what you're you know, situation is for each pound you weigh. So I weigh a buck 62, so 162 grams of protein, um, that, uh, that, that can impact your body composition. So I'm a big, my fitness pal person. I've been using it, um, for years and I really just, it kind of helps keep you accountable. And then there are those days where you're like, Oh sweet. I had white castle. I now have to enter that in and see the number and you do, Oh my God, what did I just do to myself? So, um, that's how I handle it. I hope that, uh, let's see, I uh, see uh, other apps, people create a custom meal or item. And if it's a chain or place frequent apps users, they're usually available. Yeah. That's the case for my fitness pal, but for some of these local places, they're just not available. You know, they're just not available. So it's, you know, like you said, kind of looked at it and go, okay, I had the Buffalo chicken sandwich from three Kings. That's not up on my fitness pal, but I'll look at a Buffalo chicken sandwich. I think it was probably about 700 calories, and here's what other buffalo chicken sandwiches, fats, and proteins, and carbs were, and you enter that in. That's how I handle it. There it is. All right, Gangster Pete, so you get to go home. Yeah, I'm finna hit up that Blue City Deli. Oh, that's a nice play. There's no calories. Ignorance is bliss. That's right. There are no. Those, those are <laughs> calorie-free meals at Blue City Deli. All right, uh, thank you to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Thank you to Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit. Chevy, find new roads online at landoff.com and Design Air, heating and cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Uh, for Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. Thank you for putting up with me complaining about my shoulder. Email me anytime with your questions, whatever. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music, 
and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.